Today we are looking at, Kamel, give it away, Rudy. How many of you guys have seen Rudy? Oh, a pretty good, pretty good majority of us. That's good. So um, the great thing about this whole series is that every, time, every one of our meditation speakers has pretty much given the movie away, so I don't have to do a lot of backtracking. So I, I'm just going to say from my perspective, when I look at Rudy, I, 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 I see it as a story with sort of three sort of messages in it. The one is the dream big message. The other is the work hard, and the other one is the persevere, don't give up. It's a you know, Rudy's about a little kid from a still mill family with, as, as Kamel said, no education, no, no real um, opportunities for advancement. He sort of knew what his life was going to be, and yet, you know, he'd watch TV with his dad and watch Notre Dame play, and something was stirred and planted in him that was bigger than the dreams that maybe his dad or his schoolmates or his family had for him. You know, Martin Luther King had a dream, Rudy had a dream, maybe you have a dream, I have a dream that someday I can walk out the upstairs door of my apartment onto a deck that does not exist yet. I have a dream that Sherwood Oaks Christian Church puts a bed in our downtown bed race. I've wanted that for three years, and so far it has not come to pass. Um, But Sherwood Oaks has a dream, too. One of our dreams at Sherwood Oaks is that we will be a place of both personal and cultural transformation. You know, one of our values is that we live like ordinary missionaries. That means that we believe we have a mission to both people and places. We want the places that we are to be impacted by our presence, our people in those places. We're not content to just be a building. We want to be a part of the community we're at. We want to represent Jesus from the folks who just need food to the the halls of, of government, where we have a voice into what's happening and how it affects the greater community that we live in. So I was excited a couple of years ago when one of my coworkers, Roger Clark, many of you know him, knocked on the door of my office and said, hey, what do you think about us putting a campus down in Bedford? So I live in Bedford, and I've lived here for several years now. I've put a lot of sweat and personal money into this place I call home just to make it better. But my first thought when he said that was, you know, Bedford has plenty of churches. Anyone ever thought that? We have plenty of churches, and many of them are doing great work. In fact, most of them are doing something to make this community um, better. They're representing Jesus well in this place. But then I thought about Sherwood Oaks. I thought about what I love about Sherwood Oaks. And I love that about Sherwood Oaks, that we're not just investing in people, but we're investing in places. And the point of that investment is not so we get more people in the seats on Sunday morning or that we can build a better building or a bigger building. The point is that we want to see the kingdom of heaven advance throughout all the world, starting with our place in it. That's a big vision, and that's a bigger vision than one church, no matter how big it is, can accomplish. Everyone, part of God's family, needs to own it and buy into that vision. So I thought, well, 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 why not? At Sherwood Oaks, we believe our mission is bigger than the name over our door. We believe the mission is bigger than the geographical place that we occupy. It's about the way we think. It's about people and places and culture and opportunities and challenges. And the way we think about those has a lot to do with how we see the kingdom of heaven represented in our, in our world. And the kingdom is about bringing 
the mindset of heaven into all of those things. People, places, culture, challenges, opportunities. Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's a bigger dream than one church, than one person can handle. So, yes, when Sherwood Oaks has the opportunity to come to a place like Bedford, I say, yes and amen. I want to see that happen. Why shouldn't we always be looking for ways to bring outsiders into our circle? That's the message of the gospel, bringing outsiders in. And that's the vision of Sherwood Oaks, the dream of Sherwood Oaks. Acts chapter 2, 17, many of you know this by heart. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. So the question this morning is, has God given you a dream? Has God planted in you a vision for something that's bigger than you? Rudy's dream started out sort of with his own interest. He wanted to play football for Notre Dame. But when, but when challenged on that, he, he said, you know what? It's not really about me anymore. It's about, it's about my dad about my brothers, about the kids I went to school with, about the guys down at the still mill. It was a dream that began to encompass more than just his personal aspirations. It included others in it. And as dreams go, that's a good place to start. Dreams that go beyond your aspirations and bring others into it. Those are good dreams. There's a, it's a good sign that it's probably a God dream and not just a Tim dream. Rudy's dream was ridiculously big, laughing stock material. I was telling the guys earlier, you know, every sermon should have a German philosopher quoted in it because the Germans have done so many good things for the world. So here's the, here's the, the quote that I, I want to use this morning by uh, Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, who was a German philosopher and, and uh, writer, author. He says, dream no small dreams for they have no power to move the hearts of men. I can talk about my deck till I'm blue in the face, but the only one that's really gonna care about my deck is me. I can talk about that bed race till I'm blue in the face, but the only people that are really, really passionate about that bed race are, are Susan Gales and, and me right now. <laughs> they're not big enough dreams, and they're certainly not dreams that are, that are worthy of the people of God, because big dreams, or what God trades in. You know, Tim Tebow has a dream to, to see special needs folks celebrated and cheered for who they are. So Night to Shine is coming up this Friday, and, and we still need folks to jump in and be buddies. You know, there's lots of ways that people are going to be serving, but right now they need people who are buddies. And if you know sign language, they need someone to help with sign language. But if you want to help, if you've been thinking about doing that, you need to go to the website, Night to Shine Bloomington, and sign up. Get your name on that list. It's going to be a great night. Somewhere around here, there's a video floating of me dancing at Night to Shine. We are not going to show that today. But I had a good time last year, and I plan on having a good time this year. So come. I want to see Tim Tebow's big dream realized, don't you? What's your dream? You know, John Piper tells about a couple who retired at the ages of 56 and 59. They moved to Florida, and they spend their time playing golf and looking for seashells on the seashore. I got to admit, I talked to Rod Titus yesterday, there's a part of me that loves that dream. 
That sounds like a great dream. But to spend nearly half of your life chasing golf balls and seashells seems like a major waste of an opportunity in a life. So I believe God calls us to use our one life to make a big difference. I believe real fulfillment comes when we engage with the challenge rather than disengage. I believe he calls us to look around the places that he has planted us and determine to do what we can to make it look more like the kingdom that Jesus told us about. And so to any of us who say yes to that opportunity, yes to that bigger vision, that grander dream, I believe that God is ready to show it to us. You know, Shauna alluded to this earlier. He goes, you know, these dreams, we don't just make them up. We don't just say one day, oh, you know what? My dream is to be an astronaut. That's a cool dream, but is that a dream God has placed in your life? You know, one of the, one of the scriptures that we quote around here a lot is Psalm 37, verses 4, verses 4 and 5. Psalm is found right sort of in the middle of your Bible. It's always how I learned to find it. In fact, if I look at my Bible, it's, it's not really Old Testament, New Testament. It's before Psalms and after Psalms. <laughs> so Psalm 37, if you've got your Bibles and want to look it up, you can, but it's on the screen here. It says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. So the question is, why dream big? Well, here's why. If we are in Christ... We are called to God's purposes. The scripture says it is Christ now who lives in us. So our dreams are part and parcel of Christ living in us. You ever heard this, that term, love is in the air? Usually people say that when they're in love. It's romantic nonsense. But the point is this, that, that when we are in love, everything around us sort of looks different and feels different. Everything has a special glow people tell me. So when we are in Christ, everything around us begins to take on a different glow. We see and experience it differently. And one of those, one of those things then is that we begin to dream and we dream differently than we did before. We dream now for the glory of God. And I love how the psalmist wrote that. Let's go back to that scripture. He says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And this is what Shauna meant when she said that God gives us these desires. I believe God transplants the desires of his heart into our heart. Does that make sense? He literally gifts us those desires that we have in us. So those dreams, those God-centered dreams that are centered on God's glory and his purpose, they simply can't be too big because they simply cannot fail. You commit your way to the Lord, you trust in Him, and the Scripture says He will do this. And that confidence in God's ability to accomplish and do it gives us the freedom to dream big. Isaiah 46, 11, from the east I summon a bird of prey, from a far-off land a man to fulfill my purpose. Now you ask, what in the world does that have to do with anything we're talking about this morning? Not much. But the second half of this verse does. What I have said, God says this, what I have said, that I will bring about. 
And what I have planned, God says, that I will do. Did you catch that? God says, what I have sovereignly spoken, I will sovereignly accomplish. What I have sovereignly planned, I will sovereignly do. And because God cannot fail, the dreams and the desires that he plants in our heart cannot fail either. Setbacks occur, disappointments occur, but if our dreams and aspirations are centered in God and his glory, we will experience ultimate success in them. Isaiah 41.10 says this, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. Now, remember that word. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I will help you. There's work that we have to do. We don't just sit around and wait for God to magically accomplish our dream. God says, I need you to be part and parcel of this. I'm a co-laborer with you in this. I will help you. Work hard. And in the process, don't forget to pay attention to the progress you're making and celebrate it because it's easy to get discouraged. There's a scene in the movie where, where things aren't really going well for Rudy. And... Um, one of his coworkers, his manager in sort of the custodial area, has a little talk with him. Let's watch this. Hey, 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 hey. What you doing here? Don't you have practice? Not anymore. I quit. Oh. Well, since when are you the quitting kind? I don't know. I just don't see the point anymore. So you didn't make the dress list? There are greater tragedies in the world. I wanted to run out of that tunnel for my dad to prove to everyone prove that I worked. what? That I was somebody. Oh, you are so full of it. You're five feet nothing, a hundred and nothing, and you got hardly a speck of athletic ability. And you hung in with the best college football team in the land for two years. And you're also going to walk out of here with a degree from the University of Notre Dame. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. And after what you've gone through, if you haven't done that by now, it ain't going to never happen. Now go on back. I'm sorry I never got you to see your first game in here. I've seen too many games in this stadium. I thought you said you never saw a I've game. I've never seen a game from the stands. You were a player? I rode the bench for two years. Thought I wasn't being played because of my color. I got filled up with a lot of attitude. So I quit. Still not a week goes by, I don't regret it. And I guarantee a week won't go by in your life. You won't regret walking out, letting them get the best of you. You hear me clear enough? Every time I see Sean Astin, I really just see a hobbit. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, Fortune said something very important. He says, you know, you need to look around and see the milestones that you've experienced so far. 
Yeah, you've not got to play ball yet. But the journey has already been incredible, and the accomplishments are already amazing. So in the, uh, the hard work of getting this done, don't miss the joy and the blessings that you see around you along the way. Persevere. You stick to it. My friend Claudia Mitchell, who is probably uh, one of my uh, most trusted counselors, always says this, do the next right thing. If you, if you lock in on that message right there, God can do anything with you. Do the next right thing. Don't lose heart. Fix your eyes on the eternal, not the temporary, and pray. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't forget to pray. You know, it's hard work making a dream come true, especially if you feel like you're the only one who's working at it. But prayer reminds us that God is with it. Luke 18, Jesus tells this story of a widow who is seeking justice from a judge who doesn't care for people and doesn't care for justice and doesn't care about God. But this widow keeps pestering and pestering and pestering until she finally wears him down and he ends up helping her. And the point that Jesus makes in this is, is that if, if by our persistence we can wear down an ungodly judge, my word, if we offer our concerns to God, who is not just our judge, but he's our father, how much more quickly will he respond and answer us? Now, sometimes it seems like God is like that judge. Maybe there's times where you feel like God is unhearing and he's unfeeling. He can seem unjust. David said this, why do the wicked prosper? He can seem unfeeling and indifferent to our cause. You know, throughout the ages, saints have felt this way. It's not unusual and it's and certainly not something that God has not dealt with before. David and the prophets would cry out all the time, Rend the heavens, hear us, O Lord. Come down and correct this injustice. But in those moments where we are feeling the most removed from God's oversight and care, those are the times we need to pray. Because when we pray, we re are reminded of this. There's an old hymn that I simply love. This is my father's world. Anyone here familiar with that old song? One of the verses is this. This is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. When we pray, we remember that God is with us and is on our side. And it's not just him who's on our side. We don't pray alone. We are part of the church. We are part of the body of Christ. And we draw encouragement and strength from others. Yesterday morning, our men's study met, and we got a chance to pray for each other, encourage each other as we share the gospel with others in our lives. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. Now, to go back to my initial story, when we moved the Sherwood, Camp, Sherwood Oaks campus down here, there were, of course people who question the reasoning behind it. But time and time again, when we shared the vision of what we were about and the dream of, of God doing something bigger than just this small congregation in Bloomington and who we believe God has called us to be to the people around us, no matter who they are and no matter who we are, the vision began to catch. In fact, the vision had caught earlier on the west side of Bloomington. So this morning on the west side of Bloomington, they are meeting in rented facilities. They get one day a week. 
Um, they're sharing the gospel there. They're impacting the people and the geography they live in in amazing ways. Over 500 people are now attending there. They've been a campus for five years, and in five years, that congregation has grown from 75 to 500. They tear down and set up, which makes every morning a minor miracle for them when they worship. But God is blessing them. They've got no place for students or middle schoolers or even for midweek ministry to happen. And because we are one church in many locations, their challenges are also our challenges. So here's what we need to do. I'm inviting you guys to be part of meeting that challenge. Kamal talked about tithes and offerings. Offerings are are something we can do to just bless others that may not have any immediate benefit to us. It's above and beyond what we normally do. And this is a big ask. We need to raise a lot of money. One figure I heard was 40000 I suspect it's a little more than that. But we need to raise $40,000 to enable them to convert an old garage on that property into a place that they could use all week long. I would like to see us raise that money in one week. Now, we're not doing it alone. Deep sigh, deep sigh of relief. The West Campus has already raised a considerable amount of this, and the Bloomington East Campus is getting the same challenge you're getting right now. It's a big challenge, but I have seen God do more with less. And I am confident in his ability to do this as well. And I'm going to just give you a little aside. Here's my secret. God's vision for the west side is much bigger than a garage conversion. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is much bigger than a simple garage conversion. But as Fortune reminded us, there is... There are steps to seeing dreams realized and visions come to pass. And this is a solid step in the right direction for the West Campus. So this is our prayer and this is our challenge. I want you guys to pray this week seriously about how you can be part of meeting the goal of raising this money and giving the kids and the children up in a place that people you might never meet and a place you might never show up but they need to hear and they need to be impacted by the gospel too. So I'm going to have you pray this week. And next week, we're going to take up an offering. And again, my goal is let's get it done. Let's wipe it out in one, in one week. So that's all I'm going to say about it. I leave it in your hands for God to deal with, with you. But it's, it's good to know as we live in this world that we live in here within the Sherwood Oaks family is that we're not alone when we face these big challenges. We're not only cheered on and supported by our brothers and sisters, but we are cheered on and supported by people who have gone before us in our faith. I would love to preach a message on Hebrews chapter 12 at some point in time because I've got some really crazy and outlandish theories about this scripture. But I'm just going to read it to you. And this is a great reminder. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, the planter and the harvester of our faith.
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you too become weary and discouraged in your souls. Our Redeemer, our Savior, and our friend is our our co-conspirator in these big dreams that he has planted in us. And because they are ultimately for his glory, we know that they cannot fail. So when we surrender our lives to him and our hopes and our dreams to him, we can be assured that they will come to pass. Golf balls and seashells and bed races and decks are all fine things. Playing for Notre Dame is a fine thing. But there's nothing like investing in a dream that brings glory to God and builds an eternal kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So this morning, if you're feeling discouraged in your journey, if you need some encouragement, we invite you to, uh, to check in with one of our prayer team members. You guys who are on the prayer team this morning, can you stand up real quick? People know you're there. All around the room, we've got people who want to pray for you. I'm going to invite them just to go to the back. We're going to finish up the morning with a song. And, and while we're singing, you can go back and pray with them. Or after the service, you can go back and pray with them. But if you've never trusted Jesus with your life or welcomed him as your Savior, please, we want to talk about that with you. This gift and this promise and this commitment is for everyone. And life is too short to spend it chasing dreams that don't matter, chasing a life that will not matter. So let's stand together. We'll pray. Father, we thank you for, um, for the people in our lives, guys like Rudy, who inspire us to dream bigger than we would normally. I'm thankful for the promise that we have from you that uh, the dreams can't be too big if they're centered on your glory and your kingdom. So God, we pray that you would put to rest those things that, that only glorify us and stir up in us that desire to see your kingdom advance, not just here in Bedford, but around us, around the state, around the nation, around the globe. Give us a vision and a dream that is bigger than us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.